0: Clubhouse. it's time for the daily review a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of tv movies and books look for us at daily review on facebook and twitter and dailyreview.com on the web that's d-a-l-e-y review.com this is paul this is caroline and tonight we're here to discuss the seventh episode of the fourth season of This Is Us.
1: It was called The Dinner and the Date."
0: The Dinner and the Date. This uh, was a fairly basic construction for a w- episode in comparison to what This Is Us has pulled off in the past. We don't have a lot of the other Pearsons. We don't have any time travel.
1: So what do you think? Do you like that? Don't like that? I mean, we do have time travel, but do you like that or don't like that?
0: Mm. Do you like it
1: when it's like one family, one storyline, we're going to hit on one theme?
0: I guess it has its appeal sometimes. It's just the Deja thread is one that I'm... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not as interested in i think
1: that maybe we're gonna have to abandon the deja bashing for the sake of saying that her character allows for storylines however this is my big like question mark again why couldn't this have been tess
0: well they need to make tess gay
1: i know that but so what so she can bring home a girl Or whatever. I'm just saying like, why why do we go back to the same well every time is all I'm trying to say is like, we got it. We got it. We got it. You know, Daisha's got this whole like situation going on that where she always has some adventures. But like, why do the other two girls have no adventures? I know we wank on that every single time, but I have to bring it up. So let's talk about these dinners, Paul. These are some uh, parallel times here. We have talking about some race questions, some class questions, even class within race, which I think is interesting. And let's just dive right in. Do you want to start with the elder Pearsons?
0: We should probably start with the date. Go for it. Well, the, the, I mean, the, the basic point is that Malik takes Deja out on a skip day so that he can show her his Philadelphia.
1: Which I have to say, having been to Philly and been to Philly pretty recently, I appreciated the fact that the city is vibrant with a huge, long history and lots of things to see and do that are not just like history only. For those of you who have not been to Philadelphia, they are so embracing of just so many different festivals and things to see and do. There were things to do every single day, every single night tons of activities going on. So I could appreciate Malik being like, you don't just want to go pose on the Rocky Steps, but, you know, here are like some other great places to eat, great places to just hang out and enjoy. And that part was very, very, very factual.
0: But then turns out that she likes him too much. (laughs) Damn you,
1: feelings! <laughs> That's how you took it. Like she likes it too much. I don't. Well, so okay. Did you feel like it was out of line in any way for him to like reach his pinky over when they're like resting in the grass? If
0: we're getting to the point as a people where that is out of line.
1: Reach your pinky. Tell over.
0: that you're, you know, you're you're liking the person next to you. Then I don't know where we're headed as a as a people. <laughs>
1: You know, (laughs) I didn't think it was out of line, but I do think that he is a pretty smooth operator for being a kid. And so I can appreciate being a girl and being like very scared. I mean, I definitely remember times like that of being like, where is this going now? I wasn't as old as Malik and Deja. When, you know, pinky touching was like scary, but I still feel like it's nerve wracking, especially the fact that Malik has a baby. You think we're touching pinkies, but what are we going to be touching next? You know, where is this going? Where's that pinky been?
0: That would be the first thing in your mind is, is, you know, where's that pinky been? Especially where's that
1: pinky bin. <laughs> the name of this podcast is where's that pinky Bin? <laughs> well, we know where that pinky's been. Places where babies come out of, Paul.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> pinky town.
0: So, uh, uh, did...
1: Oh, God, he's just flummox. He's like, what? Are you supposed to use your pinky?
0: I guess the primary part that I don't like about her is probably maybe it's because they're writing they're a teenage girl and teenage girls are just sort of someone that 40-year-old men just don't jive with. But okay. she takes everything to 11 every time. You okay. Know?
1: Talk to me about that. I mean, that is it's, true of teenage girls, just to be clear. It's
0: it's not that she's feeling uncomfortable. It's that she has to get up and start walking away. Okay. And well, I like think, why
1: couldn't they have planned their city date on Saturday?
0: It's not that she's having a bad time at the wedding. It's that she's got to go outside and bash his car in with the bat, you know? Well,
1: one of the things we know about Deja though is she's had a very extra life. Okay. So it's just it's always big, right? Like it's not just like her mom has a little bit of problems. Her mom has a, like a lot of problems, right? And it's like her grandma's not just a little bit having a problem. Like her grandma dies. Like everything about her is intensified, right? That we have to kind of embrace her as a person. That she always has these big feelings and these big reactions. And I guess, I I mean, I'm a little puzzled because the pinky touching, it should have been more than that. If he like rolled over on top of her, okay. Now that would have been like, whoa, 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 whoa. Because you're like in public, you're skipping school, blah, blah, blah. Right. But like, I actually think even if you were just like friends, you know, if you just wanted to like touch pinks and be like, I I enjoyed this day, this day was a good day. And you gave each other like a little hand squeeze, like this was good, you know, like thank you. That's not like crazy. You know, I do think it was a big response, but Didn't we kind of figure out in one of those foster homes that maybe there was some physical scariness going on? Remember? I
0: don't recall that.
1: I kind of do. In that one house where they didn't have enough to eat and stuff. Remember that? There was some like kind of like questionable behavior on behalf of some of the foster parents that like, I don't know, she may have come across some bad juju in the past. So maybe she's just super sensitive is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. Like, I oh, she see is that for her. For sure. She is super sensitive.
1: <laughs> all right. She agreed. Is super sensitive. Okay. That's the facts of the matter. Okay. Well, then did you think it was a beautiful gesture of his to have listened to her all day and listened to these little nuggets of memories that were seeping in for her? And then he actually brings her to the waterfront with the lit up homes.
0: It was a smooth gesture. Okay, I don't know about so- it, a beautiful gesture.
1: Whoa. Okay. So is he a smooth operator? Is that what you're trying to say? He's a playa?
0: He can deny it all wants but until they show us the malik flashback that shows him like urkeling around the school and
1: just
0: (laughs) and somehow winding up with a child as a result i'm gonna believe that he actually does have some you know ability to interface with females successfully
1: Paul, that's a verb yeah that's (laughs) that's funny that's funny Where's that pinky bin, Urkel? Did <laughs> oh, right I do that? Shut up. Oh my god, you're disgusting. Okay, anyway, all right. Well, so do you think a week grounding was acceptable? And do you think it was like ridiculous that the kids didn't think they were going to be busted?
0: Oh, I'm pretty sure Deja knew. It's just Malik didn't care, and and she, if he didn't care, then she didn't care. I guess is kind of what it added up to a week. The the grounding happens after the dinner, correct? Okay. It's like after Beth and Randall had sort of been...
1: Like embarrassing h- ...humbled
0: by right, the, right. how things had gone that night. I guess the week makes sense.
1: So I think that like for me, I would have come down on, remember that we're only seven episodes in and it was only episode one or two when we have Randall panicking about her even taking the city bus alone. And now... Just because she's with another kid, having her traips all over the city where we don't know where she is and she's not checking in and all that stuff would have weighed on Randall and Beth in terms of like, you could have had serious bodily injury. Something terrible could have happened to you and we would have no idea where you were. You know, like I think I would have played that side as a parent first secondarily yes then of course it would be like what were you doing what body parts were you touching more than pinkies you know all that kind of stuff but my first and foremost would be i just followed you on the bus scared that someone was looking at you or talking to you and said okay you can ride the bus but you have to call me immediately when you get to school and now you just went around the whole city all day long for like eight hours anywhere where i didn't know where it was like how unsafe can you be
0: i if i were the randall in the situation. Yeah,
1: and you are in this scenario.
0: I'm afraid I'd see it also there's that element and I don't know if I would say this to her but I might say it to Beth just selfishly just we're exposed. We're we're a councilman and his mm, family. We mm. we can't go flaunting rules. We can't be caught doing the wrong thing, skipping school. We can't
1: be without those people.
0: Well, I mean that stuff gets around, and you know, if she's not punished, then it, then it reflects on me as as maybe somehow you know manipulating things so that she so that she doesn't suffer the consequences for doing things wrong or something like that. We can't screw up, people. You know.
1: Ah, uh, yes, good call on that. And I don't believe that that was brought up in uh, any way either. Very good call. I appreciate that. I feel our fathers would have absolutely brought that up. <laughs> for sure. And, I, and my mom would have absolutely been like, anything could happen to you. Like, how stupid are you going to be? So I appreciate that. That's, that's a good call. Would you want to go into Malik's dinner or do you want to go into the way, way back machine?
0: Let's stick with them. And okay. Do, yeah.
1: First, I would like to say that the casting for Malik's mom was spot on. Malik has very distinctive eyes. They're a little bit wide set. They have a very distinctive like eyeliner, kind of Egyptian look to it. Um, that's what I think of. I think of that very Cleopatra kind of eye. This kind, mm-hmm. kind of wings out. It's beautiful and it's very distinctive. And they managed to cast a mom who has wide set eyes. And I'm sure they did it with makeup, but they still really managed to give her the same effect. I love it when the casting department manages to do that. It is so effective in making you really believe that these people are little families what did you think about the fact that malik brought the bebe?
0: he brought the bebe sitters with him so he's <laughs> there's no one left to watch the baby anywhere else <laughs> i guess
1: that's true i guess that's true although it'd be hard to believe that there's no one else in the free world who could watch the baby on and this dinner the,
0: the baby was a great tool to act as the barometer for how the dinner was going with all the crying and everything kind of going shitty. The, and the baby makes it at worst with the crying and, and all that. So, yeah, the baby served served a few purposes.
1: <laughs> okay. So I really appreciated this because I feel like within any particular I don't know. It, we kind of pit race against one another with like white or black or you know different different ethnicities but when you're within one race and you get down into like the subtleties of the what neighborhood you grew up in exactly these is kind of just like what we kind of consider small, really like layers to a person. And then how that just like blew up like under a microscope, you know, it was like, well, which is better and which is worse? What's the hierarchy? Is it worse to be a teenage parent or worse to be a foster kid? Like, mm-hmm. OK, we've got to put this on a hierarchy. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, like it's not her fault. She's a foster kid. And he had a baby, you know, which means he was having like unprotected sex. Like I would say. He's doing worse than she is. She didn't do anything to deserve this. You know, like there's all kinds of things, but it's interesting. Like we experienced this a lot in the special needs community where people want to hierarchy each other like real quick. Like they're like, oh, well, at least I, you know, am able to see, or this person will be like, well, you know, my child's not in a wheelchair or whatever. And there's like these quick layering that people want to do where you're like, uh, No one needs to level up on anyone else. Okay. (laughs) Like everybody has a challenge here and like let's just agree upon that. It isn't it like so consistent though. We get in a group of people and it's like, well, I have one child with special needs. Well, I have two. And then inevitably one of us is like, wow, we have three. Like nah, sit down, problem child. Like right. We got you beat, you we know? Have,
0: we have yet to see anyone stand up and say, well, I have four, four special needs children. We have not ah, run into
1: that ah, person ah. yet. Ah. Right, so embarrassingly, I guess we play the game, huh? But once it comes to the actual needs, I feel like I hope to God we actually kind of like are quieter and like aren't so quick to be like, well, why don't you sit down a second if that's all you have? Well,
0: this was a game that we recognized very early in being very early. parents of- because it seemed like it was actually a game that people wanted to win by-
1: Being the worst off. By
0: being the worst off. Like if you could run off a longer laundry list of tests and disorders and disabilities and suspected disabilities and genetic problems than anybody else in the room, then somehow that was some kind of accomplishment.
1: Which a little bit, let me point out the little parallel here in case you're thinking like, why are y'all talking about this? Because when I think about it, What those people were trying to say is you had something to overcome, but I have more to overcome than you do, which is exactly what happened with Malik's parents. Malik's dad takes off his shirt to to expose how far he's come, the challenges he's endured, the mistakes he's made. Like they almost want to expose the mistakes and or challenges that they are going through so that they can say, look how much further I am then you who grew up in a pretty great life over here with your private school and your whatnot and a nice neighborhood. And so big, big deal that you're here. You know, I had to go through all this. So there is like a badge of honor people want to wear, whether it's in the special needs community or really any community that's like, you should look at me with more envy because I've done so much more. I had to overcome so much more, which is kind of a shame they don't apply that to the kids.
0: Uh, well, they don't
1: say Malik's doing so well, despite the challenge of being a, a teenage dad. They don't say Deja's doing so well, despite the fact that she is a foster child who has had a lot of challenging situations. Instead, as parents, they both look at the other one as like, well, since he has a kid, he's the worst influence. Oh, well, she's a foster kid, so she's the worst influence. Like they don't even, they can't apply the same ruler to their kids.
0: Good observation. Thanks, Paul. Do you believe that the bottle of wine hidden in the pantry is anything other than just a blip that's just like, Beth is a human and that's it? Or is this a, Hmm. you know, a, a little... For, no yeah, like, yeah, is it, is it foreshadowing some needless alcohol problem? Do you Beth's feel
1: future? that like, I mean, Kevin has already has, you know, cornered the market on alcoholism?
0: I mean, if the show is truly ending next season, then. Do
1: we need why, to delve into Yeah, another? why,
0: why? Yeah. I think it was probably just
1: a true to life mom. I mean, I have very limited alcohol in our house, but I have one bottle of vodka, and where is it in our pantry? (laughs) And if I were to need to pour it, I'd pour it in our pantry. We also have a walk-in pantry. I would do the same thing. I'd pour it in there and then come out, do do do, my red cup, like it was nothing.
0: Well, I've seen several reviews, and they all mention the wine. And in the moment, maybe it's just because it's one of the only truly comedic moments in that episode. I mean, I, I took it the same way as you. I took it as like you know, she just
1: needs a break.
0: This is this is not a problem forming. This is just a, a mom taking the edge off. Right?
1: <laughs> that is what I call it. Oh, geez. <laughs> yep, that's what I call it. All right. Oh, geez. Yeah. Taking the edge off. Although, to be honest with you, that's not enough wine to take the edge off. So <laughs> I would need to have gulped like quite a bit more to take the edge off. But I mean, I think that there's something about it that um, it's a little Pavlov's dog. I mean, I think if you taste the wine that you automatically try to tell yourself, like, chill out, chill out, chill out. You know, it's the same thing as if you went outside and took some deep breaths or walked around the block or something like that, but she can't leave the house. So I mean this is That'd like be awkward, that yes. would be awkward. So this is like her only little release. I didn't take it like any big deal. And I mean, I thought that Randall calling her out on it, and being like, Oh, you we're drinking pantry wine now, like, you know, all of that was funny. And um, yeah, no, I think I mean, Lord Paul, in case you don't know this, moms put wine in sippy cups now to be able to carry it around like baby sippy cups so that people don't know like they could carry it in their purse or on the on the side of a diaper bag and nobody's gotta know that's like mom's juice.
0: Now see, that's sad. That is <laughs> It's to That's not the edge juice. off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the edge. <laughs> Got a lot of edges by the sounds of it. Hey, man, it just depends on what you're dealing with. I'm not edge. saying I'm drinking wine out of a diaper bag. Our children are 17, 17, 16. There are no diaper bags up in here, but, you know, yeah, I mean. She if wears I... a
0: camel back. <laughs>
1: That's quite enough of you. If I see someone that was sucking on some sippy cup, I'd just be like, go for it, girl. (laughs) Like I wouldn't judge. I'd just be like, okay, you know, that's how you're coping, you know? And if if you're here and you're upright and you're doing your thing, good for you. They
0: end the meal with, I guess, some level of understanding of what they're dealing with because... Were you
1: surprised that it turned out to be Beth and... Malik's mom that had the headbutting versus the two dads who it kind of seemed like you know going into it, Randall was very amped up. The dad is clearly the one we've seen a lot more of because we saw him at the auto body shop we've we've had more exposure to him. Did you think that the dads were going to go at it, or did you think it was going to be a mom issue or something else?
0: I was surprised to see that it was the moms because moms can fake manners, politeness, I don't know with more. Outward success. I mean, that woman wasn't trying at all. She came think, in casting stink eye the, the, <laughs> the, from as soon as the door opened.
1: I think the thing is, and, and you shouldn't call her that woman, call her Malik's mom. I feel like that getting back to the class part, that going into their home, they immediately had this level situation where it was like, okay, oh, you're like, you live in like the nice neighborhood with a nice house and all this stuff where they were automatically already kind of had their hackles up. The the dad was like, all, oh, I always wondered what the inside of these look like. And they didn't have to say those things. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you know, the Pearsons don't know where Malik's parents live. They don't know the interior of Malik's parents' home, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So they were sort of already like off their game, I want to say, as soon as they walked in. And additionally, you're being summonsed to the house of the girl who your son skip school with there is a little bit of a stench of being called on the carpet and you know walking in there this family's going to be blaming your son like there's no way they're coming to say we apologize for daisha taking over your son's sensibilities and bringing him around the city she doesn't know right like we know he is going to be blamed so you gotta go in there feeling edgy, and you gotta have that mama bear up, like, "Oh, really? you're gonna talk shit about my kid, my kid
0: I guess then that might have put her in this mindset where she could blame the child with the foster parent background mm-hmm. as being this Dysfunctional, influence that's gonna just, that's yeah. gonna drag down her son her her shining star of morals and ethics um
1: no on one hand would you say? That some people could say he was a shining star of moral and ethics in that he is raising the baby. They did not choose the route of adoption or abortion or anything else that he took responsibility himself and sort of let go of his own childhood in some way. Like, I mean, he is working and he's having to get home to her, at least in earlier episodes. Well, so given the
0: size of that baby, I'd say he's he's. Probably got a very solid nine or ten months behind him of of being so. I don't know about everything of leading up to that though. I'm
1: kinda guessing that he I mean he had to be a little bit more.
0: He had to be <laughs> a little bit more. Right.
1: Okay. okay. He had a history of being a little bit more, right? He got to. He's got to. Yeah, because they were very young. They're very young to have a baby that is that big. Ish. Right.
0: Babies more than smoke. As, as far as like the, the, there being a fire, you know what oh, I mean?
1: Okay. All right. So you're down on Malik.
0: I'm not, I, I'm not down on anybody that, that says that they've made changes and are living a different life now. I'm just saying that there is this past. And if you're raising this kid, that's going to try to possibly hitch her little star to his wagon,
1: mm-hmm. then Dash wagons and hitching,
0: then just, I've got to know, I've got to know more got to be careful. I think
1: that that's fair. And I do want to be super clear. I am not putting, keeping the baby on a moral or ethical hierarchy to having an abortion or adoption. Like these are all, I am supersonic pro-choice. So for me, I'm like, everybody needs to know what's right for them. What I was trying to say is that I feel like maybe people would maybe say, well, he sacrificed some things in order to be an ongoing parent in this situation. And so somehow we could think perhaps he has some, you know, degree of seriousness in him. I don't know if there's anything more than that. But, um, but I mean, all choices would have been super difficult. So, I mean, it's interesting that his family has opted and they did create this situation where the dad is not a teenage mom, it's a teenage dad, which I don't know that we've seen on TV. Have we seen teenage dads in any shows that you've watched? I mean, I'm sure they exist in the world, but in shows that that we can think of in our recent past, I don't know that a teenage dad has been really... Put in front of us.
0: Not in whatever I watch, but, you know, they don't focus on that with shows
1: like Arrow.
0: Yeah, like uh, <laughs> Game of Thrones. It wasn't really that sort of thing.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, that's not, well, not Teenage Dad. I was going to say you kind of had. Bastard dad. Well, yeah.
0: I mean, bastards were just running all over the place in Game of Thrones. And so, but that, that but was. The dads just, who
1: took in their bastards, that, I'm saying. That
0: was a world where the culture was just like, there are bastards. And even people that were well respected were like, well, everyone fools around. What are you going to do?
1: What are you going to do?
0: So, yeah, that was a totally different, different, uh, different world. And that's not a fair comparison. (laughs) (laughs) Nice.
1: Okay. So all in all, I felt like that that was actually a pretty decent representation of new people meeting each other. I think that, that really pointing to this class situation. I don't think that that's very easy to illustrate necessarily on TV. I think they did a really good job of showing these subtleties of neighborhoods where you grew up, especially within one race. Like if you have white people looking at other white people, because because it, it's always done in a race way, I feel like, you know? Yeah. So to really deal with like classism is like, oh, okay, this is this is something that I feel like is maybe not being talked about very much. And I I appreciated that part of it.
0: I remember that Oprah um, oh, you do
1: what yeah, you've got my attention
0: a long time ago when she was talking about racism within the African American culture, yeah, that related to this is this is not the issue in this episode, but it's somehow still reminded me of this okay. that related to the darkness of mm. their of their hue,
1: their complexion,
0: yeah, yeah, and how there was actually like sub racism within the black culture. Against people that were super dark. Right. So I don't want to expound on that. I just wanted to say it reminded me of that even with, like you mentioned earlier, within a given culture, there's always.
1: Still like there's a always, hierarchy. Right.
0: There's always people seeking this idea of who's below me, who's above me.
1: Mm-hmm. and within any community that's why like that's why I brought up the special needs community because it happens with us too and it has nothing to do with class it has nothing to do with how much money you make there's doctors and lawyers and and truck drivers and people who don't work at all and all different all different walks of life and we are all different races and this is purely purely a caste system based on level of disability and what your challenges are and why you have challenges. So, I mean, it happens in every community. It's interesting to see it play out.
0: It is. So Randall was involved in two dinners.
1: He was. He was eating a lot of food this episode.
0: Well, yes.
1: We're talking a lot.
0: <laughs> Carrying on from last episode, Mr. Lawrence is invited to the house for this also awkward meal where we get to see Jack in, Uncharacteristically, not know how to act.
1: Well, I think that he was like so. um Well, how do we want to say this when when I said the mama bear part before? This is like the papa bear part, right? Where he very much wanted to be like, "This is my cub," right? Yeah. And so doing the handshake that was like so individual to them and personal, and Jack's on the outside and bringing him upstairs to go show the bookcase and. Being all, look at my books. Mr. Lawrence is all coming on the books. Jack has to be like, I built the bookcase. Those books are on, you know, that kind of biz. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. This is just like, you know, it's territorial business. And I what here's another little like it's not classism, but it is like a, a hierarchy. And I'm kind of jumping a section here. But when Jack says to Mr. Lawrence, you can bring your family to the to the festival when you have a family. Mm hmm. I thought that was interesting because you know what that is a hierarchy of a married man with a family is better than just a married man which is better than a single man right that, like that's all true like you're the best man or or whatever you're the you're what everyone's striving for to have a wife and children and you do things as a family that's the big goal right it was interesting cuz that's like a that's another like kind of strange way that people set themselves apart. Who's above me? Who's below me?
0: I took a What's my status? I took a basic criminal law class mm-hmm. in college and it was taught by a lawyer and he basically described what you're saying but in in legal terms. I don't mean that to say like, you know, in Latin. I mean to say like how it actually functions in a courtroom, when different people take the stand, when different people are found dead, and what value is assigned to their life and stuff like that, the amount of those kinds of hierarchical accomplishments, even though they're not really, but they are in people's minds. Like if someone takes the stand and they're a um
1: say a single man a si- versus a
0: single man versus a married. You know, a 50 year old married dad on his first wife
1: <laughs> with multiple kiddos
0: and yeah, multiple kids and doesn't, you and know,
1: has a job and all that stuff. All that but stuff. We trust him.
0: He is highly more trustable than a 23 year old guy with, with nothing going on. Right. Um,
1: and so and, and and even having said that like all of us I hope the audience members are like that makes sense though. I would trust the 50-year-old man with like the family and the whatever versus a 23-year-old, you know, kid who's like unattached, What, which is kind of silly because there's like no real reason that man is more trustworthy, but I right. see that. Right. I completely see that. Yes. And even in that same class, I know I remember you talking to me about how when they do find bodies that are deceased and there's some sort of Money that's going to be offered to the family or whatever's happened, right? Some sort of compensation. They
0: they judge that person on they what they've judge, accomplished, what and
1: but their physical body too. Ran. So, like, if your body is has is covered with tattoos, you are literally worth less money than if you have no tattoos or piercing in the court of law when it comes to compensation. I mean, like that's crazy.
0: I, no one's going to admit to that on paper, but he in the class, the teacher admitted. And that's just the way it is. Just having having had years of those sorts of experiences, he felt comfortable saying that's just the way it works out.
1: It's so crazy, but it it is. It's all those subtle nuances of like people just craving, you know, understanding who is higher than me and who is lower than me in in the echelon of life, you know. It's crazy.
0: Jack got things a little mixed up at dinner, where he forgot that he was actually the dad, and he outranked Mister Lawrence in every way except for maybe knowing about, you know, poetry and stuff in like cultural that. Cultural festivals. Cultural festivals. Yes, that was um, that was a discussion at dinner about uh, the, what was it? They had seen something at a at a cultural festival, and it, um,
1: it no, peaked. it was that. Rebecca commented on the wife's earrings and said they were so beautiful. And the wife said, Oh, as Mrs. Lawrence said, Oh, we got these at a cultural festival. And they were like describing it. And Jack was like, Oh, is that brand new? And they were like, "Mm, No, it's just they were very
0: gracious about it. They were.
1: They tried to be cool about it. But then Randall trying to express interest. And then the uh, moment was when Randall's like, Next time you go, can you take me with you? And that's where it was like, Oh, like, you We can't do that because now it's like you would prefer to hang around a couple that is not your family because they are more a part of your culture historically than we are. And that's when Jack like lost it and was like being like rude.
0: It was interesting there that Mrs. Lawrence identified what was going on in real time.
1: Mm-hmm. And Mr. And was Lawrence. Like, no, no, I think that you should go with his family. <laughs> yeah, Mr.
0: Lawrence didn't quite, quite get it.
1: Well, and but be real for a second. I was a teacher for many years. If I was invited over to a student's house and I was having dinner and it was clear that this was a kiddo who really liked me, that's why I'm there. Like we get along and I think the kid's great and the kid loves me. I don't even have to, we could all be of the same race, the same class, the same everything, right? And I kind of have been in situations like this where then the kid's like, could you? Could I sleep at your house or could I like go do something with you, Mrs. Daly? I mean, it is absolutely trained into me to be like, I think your mom and dad would like to do that with you. I think that that's something that you should enjoy with your mom and dad. They should take you to the movie. You would love to go with your mom or your dad. Like, you're supposed to spin it back. So it's unprofessional as hell for Mr. Lawrence to not only go to their house for dinner, but then to not not mold and sort of keep his relationship defined. Like, no, you should totally go to this cultural festival with your folks That would be so fun. I'd be happy to let you know what day you're going. And if you guys wanted to like meet up for lunch that day or something, that'd be fine. But you should totally go with your parents. That's the right like co-adulting that we all kind of do as parents and teachers. Like I'm going to keep shoving them back towards you. No matter how much they enjoy time with me, I'm going to keep saying, but you really should enjoy time with your mom and dad. That's just the right way to behave, you know, in my opinion.
0: So after a kind of a refocus from Rebecca, the dinner eventually ends. We have the fateful moment out in the yard. What was behind the the laugh when Jack says, I can't teach my son how to be black?
1: OK, so here's what I'm going to go with. And even though uh, you guys as audience members, please don't please don't burn us at the stake here on this. I really think that it's just the idea that there is no way to be black. Like, that's a very ignorant thing to say. Like, Mr. Lawrence is an individual who happens to have skin of a different color than Jack. There's no teaching him to be someone of another color. Like, that's not a thing. And, like, Mr. Lawrence is educated and has uh, all the same opportunities that Jack, in terms of, like, Jack could learn poetry. Like, there's nothing about Mr. Lawrence about being Black that he needs to learn. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah, that, sure. That was, like, kind of, like, a twisted notion of, being black. And anyway, what is being black? What what even is that? That's what would make you laugh. To be like, "What are you talking about?" You know, like if you just said like, "I I am having a hard time teaching him like cultural history of the African American experience and like maybe if you know of any ways to be able to teach him those things or something, I'd love that." But I think it was the like, "I don't know how to teach him how to be black." That implies there's one way to be black. Or that it's just this like blanket notion of black people that is like, oh, what are you talking about? I mean,
0: well, maybe that's why everybody
1: experiences it differently. What are you talking about?
0: Maybe, maybe he chose to hear it like I, like you just said, where Jack
1: was being like too like generalizing of what a black experience would be, and that's how I'm taking why he kind of like laughed back. Right,
0: then. like if he had a moment to think about it, he might have said. That he doesn't know how to introduce the culture and all that, and that's why the book that he had planned to give them at the beginning of dinner, but his wife said it was like it was too much. Uh, it, it was it was in the car, mm-hmm. and so that makes it a a very good moment to hand over the the Langston Hughes book if you want to give both men kind of the benefit of the doubt for like Jack really meaning a deeper question than r- right then how he asked might, it he he right. just
1: he just. He presented it in what appeared to be a very shallow, uninformed, generalizing, stereotyping kind of way, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's what the guffaw was from Mr. Lawrence is like, I don't, you know, there's no, there's no one way to be black. Like that's a ridiculous thing to say, you know?
0: It's, it's, it's that's not a thing. I think maybe when they focus on the fancy handshake. Mm. Um, at the beginning, Jack kind of looks at that. Yeah, his eyes yeah, Yeah, and, he's, you know, he's like seeing basically like some sort of sweat hogs or sort of- uh, Well, the, a
1: club, a club, a v- handshake right. that he's not in.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, that's all part of that. But
1: here's the thing, Paul. If you turn it around, if Mr. Lawrence had a white child and he said to Jack, I, I don't know how to teach him how to be white, Jack would absolutely laugh. He would smile and he'd be like, we're the same as you. We eat. We sleep. We go to work. We're, like, white people. There's no way to teach you how to be white. I can't teach you to be white. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's like the part where you kind of like it was just it was just too shallow of a comment. You know it it wasn't it wasn't really what he meant to say, and so it was just like it was just awkward. You know? Yeah. It, it was real. It's it's how he felt, but it it wasn't it didn't show the depth really of how lost jack felt about you know what what randall needed and what he thought he could provide
0: which is at least at at least you know if if, it to go back to the sequence where this is in the show he is starting starting to really grasp this idea that randall wants to know more about where he came from and that jack just has no idea how to give it to him
1: and part of that, though, is that, you know, it's interesting. and this is, this is interesting to go back to the, to the tour of Philadelphia. Randall came from Philadelphia, okay? He came from two parents who lived in Philly and, and experienced this life in this neighborhood, right? So the, kind of the ironic thing is that here, Jack was making it about race. We had Malik's story that was making it about class. And then you have Deja and Malik who are trying to kind of give us the story of if you want to know where you are, like where you're even where you're from, you have to experience that city. You have to like go around and live it and meet people who live in that city and really get it, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, Randall's trying to and being their councilman. But how much fear has he shown of Philadelphia? How much like misgivings has he had about, you know, her being on the bus or the very same bus that his own parents would have met on a public bus. And yet all he wants to do is know where he comes from and know who he is. Yet the first thing he does is tell his kiddo, no, you can't be on this bus. This bus isn't safe. This bus is unfamiliar. This bus isn't okay." know what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like it's like Randall's here in the heart of where he's from and he couldn't be more scared. Of the people who live there, Malik's parents, Malik, the city itself, the very bus system that his own parents met on, he's suspicious of all of it and doesn't doesn't embrace any of it as who he is and where he's from. The irony of that is enormous.
0: Good catch, man.
1: Thanks, Paul. And on that note, you know what I'd like to say? What? Thanks so much for listening.
0: Thanks a lot. Join us on our new venture called Pod Clubhouse come on over and listen to more podcasts from a variety of collaborating podcasters.
1: Thanks for listening, pod people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home,
0: but you can't stay here.
1: Just go home,
0: folks.